recently recently I've been listening to Gil Fransdahl. I've mentioned him a number of times in previous podcasts and I've been listening to him pretty frequently um, every day you know I don't I, I rarely miss a uh, darmet of his he gives his darmets it's darmet is like a, a small dharma talk um, dharma talks in Buddhism are just basically a discussion uh, given by a meditation teacher typically uh, one that like Gil who's been studied in in uh, Theravada Buddhism and so he gives a talk he calls it a Dharmet because they're usually about 15 minutes short uh, or 15 minutes long and man he's done so many of them he's done so many ever since COVID started uh, that's when he started to give these Dharmets he does a 7 a.m. sit which I he does it live on YouTube um, I rarely tune in on YouTube. I just listen over Apple Podcasts um, and tune into the Darmet, which typically follows the 7 a.m. sit. But he does it all live. You can follow along. It's pretty cool. There's a small community um, that has just followed him along all the way throughout COVID. Now they're getting ready to talk about opening up the uh, Inside Meditation Center, um, the actual center itself uh, in Redwood City here in, in August, I believe, but anyways, we've been listening to Gil, a lot of Gil, um, Darmets, and one of the things that he's recently been talking about, um, is imagination, or at least the, the use of imagination in Buddhism, and it was interesting because as he's talking about it, um, he's talking about imagination because I think a lot of people get wrapped up in it, myself included, when you sit down to meditate, you get wrapped up in fantasy, you get wrapped up in storytelling of the past or the future, and we think of that as using our imagination, but in Buddhism, uh, the Buddha specifically, I guess, was, was talking about being able to use the imagination to inspire, the way I interpret it is, or the way I interpret it from Gill's interpretation is... Um, being inspired in a way that promotes returning to the present moment. And so um, Gil gives these examples that either the Buddha gave or that Gil has thought up on its own. And they're all examples, again, like following along with the breath um, and likening the in-breath and out-breath to the flapping of a bird's wings or something like that. And... So anyways, he's talking about imagination and the importance of it. Um, and one quote that really did stick out to me, which I thought was a really powerful quote, which I can't, I don't know how far I could discuss about it, but uh, because I still haven't fully digested it, I believe, but it was, if you don't use your imagination, someone else will. And I think that that has a depth on a variety of levels. Um, typically with Gill's quotes, what I've, what I've known, or at least in my experience, they sound simple at first, and you're like, it kind of hits you, like, oh, that was kind of powerful. But then, for me, I write them down and put them on a wall somewhere, and you just continue to think and think because you put them in a place where you see them regularly, and there's just so many different layers to it. And I feel like this is one of those quotes uh, which will have a lot of layers. So if you don't use your imagination, it will be used by someone else. Um, that was one of his quotes. And so anyways, the whole point of this is that as I was listening to this particular 
theme uh, in his Darmets. I sometimes after after long production days when I'm in my studio all day long, um, I'll be like, you know what, I need to get out of here because I just want to kind of get out of you know, your little landlocked here in the studio and the bakery. And if it's been a 12 hour day, I mean, it's, it's been a 12 hour day in the same space for all day doing the same thing or, or making bread. And so I'm like, okay, I got to get out of here. I'll go downtown and I go to the bearded bean and I'll, um, order a beer and sit outside and read for a little while. Um, and that's kind of my way to decompress and at least get out of the house and be like, okay, I left the house today. Um, but anyways, on this day, I, I went out there and it was when he was talking about imagination, Gil. And I'm sitting there on the park bench, uh, not a park bench, but sidewalk bench, the new uh, renovations to Old Town Salinas is really nice. And one of the things that I really like about it is that they put a lot of sidewalk benches. And it's great because it's not a part of either any business. There's just benches all over the place now. And and so you can go out there and sit and read. And there's plenty of people who do it, which is nice to see too. And when I was sitting there, I was facing Dubbers, um, the sports bar there. And there's a flagpole on the top um, on the top of that building and there's an American flag hanging off of it and it was blown in the wind and I was sitting there and I'm thinking about this whole thing about imagination and inspiring uh, inspiring you to return to the present moment or, or kind of guiding you towards the present moment and I'm looking at the flagpole and I'm kind of thinking about how as I'm sitting there on the bench, and as I, this was a metaphor on a variety of levels. And so I'll start with, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm on the bench, and I'm observing the flag. And me, personally, I don't have any care in the world about which way that flag flutters. Whether it's a big gust of wind that hits it, whether it falls still next to the pole whether it just gently flaps and ups and downs and 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 it doesn't matter to me like it genuinely does not matter and that's that's not a good thing or a bad thing it just doesn't i'm just observing the 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 flag i have no opinion on as to which way it flows and i was thinking about how that is a great metaphor as to how we should be with the thoughts that enter our heads you know or, or or the thoughts that are come about while cultivating the mind in meditation uh, we're sitting there in meditation and there's lots of thoughts and the, the we always think that the objective is to be thoughtless in meditation when in reality everybody from beginners to masters uh, gets bombarded with thoughts but the thing is the difference between beginners and masters is, is that masters understand how to not cling to those thoughts and whether it's the clinging to a thought can bring you into a variety of different directions it can lead you off into a fantasy it can lead you off into uh, a feeling of sadness and and depression or it can you know cause some sort of angst or craving or you know those are hindrances that are spoken about widely in, in Theravada and Buddhism and 
the difference between the masters he doesn't he knows he or she knows how not to cling and the beginner such as I and such as a lot of us um, cling and but when I'm looking at the flagpole I'm not clinging to which way it goes and so I thought it was like that's kind of a cool uh, inspiring image when we're sitting there in meditation and we are getting bombarded by thoughts or being pulled into fantasies or just being pulled out of the present moment is to be able to just I like to envision the flag and here's another reason why I like to envision the flag um, is because there's an aspect of Buddhism that's known as absorption and for a long time I didn't know what this was I would keep seeing the word and it's kind of it's a it's an interesting and kind of a cool word just to to think about absorption uh, it sounds particularly intense and I didn't quite know what this meant and finally Gil was talking about it in you know I, I'm listening to a or replaying a series of his where he gives uh, many talks on uh, mindfulness of breathing, the practice of Anupanasati. And it might have been in that, or it might have been in this, but he's talking about absorption. And one of the ways that he compares absorption to is when one is staring into a fire. You know, how many of us have just, I know I have countless times where I, I love just the feeling of just being absorbed in a, a good, a good fire there by the fireplace and just sitting there and you can feel the warmth but you're not hot and you're just you can't turn away you know you're absorbed with it and that's what absorption means and for me also uh, another way to get absorbed or to become absorbed is to just watch a flag flutter and that's what was happening while I was sitting on that bench uh, last week early last week was I was becoming absorbed with the with the flag but then also understanding that I didn't have any sort of connection to or clinging or desire to control the way in which the flag fluttered. And so I thought that was interesting just because that's what Gil was talking about too. So now that's actually something that I will think about when I'm sitting is if I start to get pulled off into a fantasy or into a, um, a, a, reminiscent time or or just daydreaming um you know i'll think of the flagpole and i'll be able to become helps me to become absorbed with what i'm doing at the moment and helps to remind me what it feels like to not cling to thoughts feelings uh, anything that arises while i'm sitting in meditation Another thing, if I was to take it a little further, I could say that it's also a good metaphor on another level where <clears throat> where the um, movement of the wind and the variations within the wind patterns which cause the, the flag to flutter in such a way, uh, that can be compared to the variations in your breath and understanding that when you begin your meditation or begin sitting, your breath might be tight, your breath might be big and deep or very shallow and rapid, or there might be time periods where it, it goes up and it goes down. But ultimately, when we really become relaxed and really become absorbed in the activity, um, 
or in the present moment, our our breath becomes very shallow and slow and even. And that's what happens when when the wind, which is pushing the flag, halts. The flag drops and it's just laying there right by the flagpole. Uh, much like what happens in the mind when that when we reach that continuous state of absorption where we're just in the present moment. Um, so I thought that that was interesting on three levels uh, and that a flag is a good way to to bring oneself back to the present moment. It's a good good use of imagination. Uh, so that was one thing. The other thing that I was thinking about while I was sitting on the bench was that I have this or have had this challenge that I'll or I have extended to a number of different friends, uh, not very many, but a handful. And the challenge is, you know, go to a bar and by yourself, leave your phone in the car, or better yet, have your phone on you. It makes it more challenging. But go to a bar, <clears throat> by yourself, have a couple drinks, have dinner, talk with the bartender, talk with the people who end up sitting next to you or, or near you or just be there for an entire dinner don't touch your phone uh, and that's that's the challenge if you're able to do that whole deal and don't touch your phone um, you kind of you completed it and you were successful this challenge started for me when I would go to um, ski trips on my own I'd either go to ski trips on my own or I'd go with with or I'd be meeting people in different ski ski locations, Colorado, Utah, I went to Whistler by myself one time, and uh, it was just a good test. You know, it was not even really a test, but just it was a good activity to do. I felt like it was one, it was fun because I just went there, and it was easy too because nobody knew me. And so, if you're in a place, which a lot of us are, in places where there you have the ability to be anonymous which basically just means you can walk in and nobody really knows who you are um it's a great practice and so i was thinking about this challenge and i was sitting on the bench i was thinking about this challenge and i was thinking about how i didn't feel uncomfortable at the moment but because i was so absorbed in the flag I felt very present and very joyful, content, uh, sitting there on the bench. And I wasn't checking my phone. I wasn't reading my book or drinking the beer that I had bought. I was just sitting there. And the thought kept arising in my head that the people that were passing by might think that it is strange that I would be sitting there on the bench just doing nothing, just looking off into the landscape of, you know, the the architecture, the just the surrounding area. And I was thinking about how that's kind of similar to sitting at the bar by yourself where it's, I feel compelled in that situation to pull my phone out, which we all do so frequently when we're by ourselves and sitting somewhere. And we do it out of, it's a compulsion to not feel alone or to at least give off the impression that we're not alone. I remember feeling that when cell phones really became a big uh, really became big with my generation and my, my friend group. Uh, it was just like, just 
you you want to everybody wants to be busy everybody wants to look busy everybody wants to look like they're either talking to somebody and nobody wants to admit that we're all alone in this whole whole adventure uh and so i was thinking i'm like you know i'm sitting here i feel very pleasant and i'm just sitting here like i said absorbed almost kind of you know open-eyed meditating and yet i do feel compelled to check my phone and i was like well this is kind of similar to the challenge at the bar and i held that there for quite a while and after however many minutes i you know i don't know if i continued to read a little bit or whatnot but i ended up heading home finished my beer and headed home and i was thinking about how that act there both those acts going to the bar by yourself and and resisting the urge to uh, check your phone or to uh, disconnect yourself from the present moment intentionally not to intentionally disconnect yourself from the present moment I think that's what that's what we do a lot is I'll say it again because that, that sounds cool that sounds cool intentionally disconnect ourselves from the present moment that's what we do and in this situation both the bar as well as sitting on the the bench those are very benign consequences if you end up reaching down and checking your phone it's really not that big of a deal no harm no foul uh, but what that teaches you as a conscious uh, practitioner of buddhism meditation what have you is that gives you a good and very real experience with what it's like to resist compulsion and how when we do resist compulsion we can recognize the freedom in that. There's that little space of freedom where it's like, I'm seeing that I'm being compelled to do this and I am choosing not to do that. And that's where this quote that I've been thinking about for quite a while as well, uh, there is freedom in, in, resi- in restraint. There is freedom in restraint. Um, that's what I think both of those examples and both those challenges provide us as practitioners is that you want to practice resistance you want to you want to get a taste of what it's like to to restrain yourself from compulsion uh, as well as experiencing that bit of freedom that we all talk about and and practice for i suppose one could say train for so anyways those are kind of my thoughts uh recently i thought it was interesting and some i'm still kind of working through myself uh, but i wanted to to get this out there and i hope that this podcast uh, flowed nicely and at least at least worked out uh, right now what's going on right now any quick little updates i have the captain stoker block party this sunday uh, i'm going to be selling pretzels loaves and t-shirts um 10 to 3 off of i believe it's franklin street but it's the street that captain stoker is on and uh let's see not much else. I got some new tea coming. Tea. I'm a, I'm a full-on tea head. I don't know if I talked about that yet, but I am. I haven't had coffee in quite a while, and in the the small time or the, the the one-off chances that I do have coffee, just not for me. You know, I love the smell. I love the practice of making it, but I love the taste too. But just the way it makes me feel is not right, and uh, it's not it's not wrong. But it's just I just don't feel good, and with green tea. I, I feel great all the time and I feel awake and uh, I drink tea for wakefulness, you know, and I feel awake when I drink tea. 
Um, been drinking kava too. We got some kava, which is good. Um, needs to be used more purposefully, just because it can kind of, uh, you know, make you a little sleepy. But it's good when used appropriately. And so, anyways, oh, that tea. The tea is from Smith Stephen Smith Tea. It's up in Portland. I got someone, Sandra, and I went up there last, and I ordered uh, uh, some more iced tea. Their iced tea is great. It's called Exceptional Iced Tea, and I love iced tea. It's just black iced tea, no sweetener, nothing. Make it yourself. It's not hard at all. And uh, I also got some Dragon Well. It's a Jap. That's a Dragon Well is a green tea, but it's a Chinese green tea. A lot of the tea, a lot of the green teas that I drink right now are Japanese. Um, which means that those, my understanding is that Japanese green tea is steamed. So they have the green tea leaves and they steam them and that's kind of how they cure and dry and prepare the tea leaves. So it's much more delicate, grassy flavor. Whereas the Chinese, they roast the majority of their leaves. Apparently again, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but anyways, I know that dragon well, uh, it's good. Dragon Well is good. I, every time I've had Dragon Well, um, I feel great. I feel really good. And especially I, the, the ultimate combination, what I was doing maybe like a month ago, I'd go to Gold Leaf Teas and I'd get a large Dragon Well iced tea. And uh, this is a green tea again, uh, Chinese. And I would get a large kava shot and I'd mix the two and it was, it was good. It was just you just feel great. And the way that I say is that it just these, you know, green tea, kava, whatever, they don't necessarily they they do make you feel good, no doubt. There's, you know, whatever reaction happens, similar with coffee, uh, but on a much kind of lesser and just different scale. Uh, totally different experience, but they they promote they promote you know, goodness and your and wholesomeness in your life. I feel like you know they they make you feel well and awake. And I don't ever feel sick. You know, not that I feel sick drinking coffee, but just I'd feel up and I feel down and I'd up and down and up and down. And my anxiety was way higher on coffee uh, and green tea. I have to drink a lot of green tea to get anxiety off of, uh, which I think is is if after having this experience with switching over to tea. If anybody tells me that they're dealing with anxiety, my first question is, how much coffee are you drinking? Uh, because I seriously think that the normalization, which is understood, normalization, though, of coffee, a lot of us probably aren't meant to be drinking coffee. I know I don't think I'm meant to be drinking coffee, and I'm happy with that. You know, coffee's good, and I'll take a sip every now and then just because I do enjoy the taste. Coffee, ice cream, love that. But... Uh, my drink is, is tea for sure. So I got that Dragon Well tea coming in. Uh, that'll be good. And uh, that's all. So I hope this turns out well. And uh, hope to see you guys on Sunday at the, at the block party. Good night.